This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. This week's episode is brought to you by Outpost Advisors. You know, there are a lot of places where you can go and talk with someone about your money. Even so, it can be hard to know whether they're trying to sell you financial products or if they're acting as a fiduciary on your behalf, or really if they even understand your vision for building a household in the vein of Abraham himself. Outpost Advisors is different in that regard. They are financial life planners, which means that when you become a client of Outpost, you'll be guided through a unique process to unearth your purpose as a family, define a vision, and then faithfully deploy your resources in service of that vision. Outpost works with all sorts of households, from those just getting started to folks who are stewarding grandchildren and navigating retirement. So if you're looking for help as you build your own Abrahamic outpost, head over to outpostadvisors.net and set up a free call today to learn about how Outpost Advisors can help your family. So, coming at you live from St. Louis, Missouri, it's the Abraham's Wallet Podcast. Yeah, I was thinking of something that we could have on podcasts. We could have a little corner that's either like a travel corner or a food corner and we could talk about wonderful travels that we've been on or wonderful meals that we've had i would be interested in hearing that i think that there's and here we are traveling right now we're traveling we're in a hotel room that we've shared um in order to save money for our fledgling enterprise and i was thinking about the fact that we have been traveling a lot lately we have made podcasts in arkansas Utah, Ohio, and uh, somewhere else. Cool. Missouri. That's where we are now. Missouri, yeah. In the last four weeks. Or five Let's weeks. talk a little bit about St. Louis. It's a shockingly historic and beautiful downtown area. It's the gateway to the West, and it is a beautiful city, I think. Now you had you had experiences downtown the night before I the showed up. The downtown definitely comes alive with folks who are interested in n- not the best, not God's best for me, <laughs> is what I felt like. Because uh, there was a few times where I had to physically avoid assault when I was on my bird scooter. And you thought these people had a will for your life that included you having less money and them having narcotics. Yeah. At least, and maybe me having a black eye. Okay. Well, anyways. There's some ladies in this town who will jack you up. Oh, okay. I'll leave that with you. But, you know, the famous St. Louis Arch is right there on the river, which is also the border to Illinois. And uh, if you just move west into the downtown area from that, it's just so well laid out. There's sculpture parks everywhere. There's huge parks in St. Louis. Every city ought to have a central gigantic park like this, where their museums are, where there's baseball fields and a golf course and tennis courts and, you know, very stately lawns and fountains and like 10 miles of running trails. It was awesome. 
I agree. Yeah. And those who are listening may not know this about Stephen, but he is excellent at finding hole in the wall or off the beaten path restaurants. I learned this about you. Thank you, Mark. When we were younger and you introduced me to a, with the time, it was just a book that you had to buy. Road food. Paper called Road Food. Road Food. And to this day, it, the website's kind of fallen out of maintenance, but there's still content there. Yes. If you go to Road Food when you're in a town, there's a chance you'll find something that has been identified as a local treasure. And I'm a big believer in it. You did that for us. Um, you did it for us the first night, and then the last night, you introduced me to something that I guess isn't a St. Louis original, but was also pretty good. Well... Well, last night I did introduce you to a St. Louis original because my friend Jesse Robertson used to work at Imo's Pizza back in his formative years. Or it's Emo's. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know totally. But we had some last night and it was it was a unique delight. I'm glad we had it. Very thin crust, very saucy. Mm. And then the non-St. Louis place was... Jenny's ice cream and I despite the bowel problems that it can cause I love me some ice cream were you ignorant of Jenny's prior I had never heard of it oh and it was the most amazing flavor selection I'm used to maybe a hipster ice cream joint having three of those options sure, uh, like this is a burnt pop- butter and sweet popped corn yeah. ice cream and a goat cheese and cherries yeah but they had 30 of those yes yes Uh, jenny has done very well for herself i was quick to add that it's an ohio institution that jenny is from columbus so i take a little bit of pride in that but yeah jenny's is a good thing crazily overpriced but you know it's good stuff i'll give you seven dollars for that experience Uh um but the the coup de gras of the trip, food wise, was night number one for me, which was Filipino street food. What was it called? Gorilla, Gorilla street food. Yeah, it was so good. I didn't even know the Filipinos created their own food type, but it was delicious. Yeah, I've been to the Philippines, and I don't think I ate anything as good as what we ate at Gorilla Street Food. <laughs> nice. What are we talking about? So I have been going to a conference for financial planners and I keep hearing stories of how people are working with their clients and I obviously talk to my own clients but also to some of the people who listen to this podcast and to some of the people who read our blog and it feels like there is occasionally in our culture, even amongst dudes that we love, a bias for sort of inaction there's stasis among the men in our in our culture right can now. be yeah not always um and i don't see that in the scripture very often of strong family leaders since we're a podcast and blog about family leadership and strong family leaders i thought we could talk about that yeah um we ju- our last conversation was about being ready and finding out what's really happening in the world around you and then sometimes that knowledge of 
how you're actually set up can be paralyzing. We haven't even published it yet, but it's going to be titled Moving from Ignorance to Order to Readiness. And readiness for what? Great question. For what? I would assume that it means readiness for action. Action. Oh. Um, action. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the first person that comes to mind for me on this subject is my head pastor at my home church in Cincinnati, a guy named Brian Tome, who so defaults toward action in every part of his life that he sometimes gets it wrong because he sometimes flies off half cocked, but that's because he wants to default towards, I want to do something. And um, we can look at his life and go, he has accomplished a great deal um, and made significant headway into the kingdom just because that's been his default. I think that what all of us do as Westerners is we worship the idea of rightness. What we want is to be right all at all times. We never want to make a mistake. And our fear of failure, our fear of making mistakes, and our worship of rightness it paralyzes us because you never have all the information to make any decision. And I, I, for me, that's kind of getting past my mind ruling is one of the things that frees me up. What, what comes to your mind on this topic or, or tell us maybe a, an anecdote of, of, uh, somebody. Well, when you talked about Brian, I was listening to his podcast with Judd Watkins. Oh yes. And Those those guys are both, towards action it was a fun one um and they talked about kind of aggressiveness i think that's even the name of his podcast the aggressive life or yes something. i think that's right um and my first reaction was to go oh we have to be careful telling guys to be aggressive and like even this conversation you and i we we got to be careful telling guys to take action i mean I'm an investment advisor <laughs> and I don't want people that just go, I've got an idea. Let's do it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sometimes. But this reminds me of the... They con- can wreck their life savings because they had some right. scheme to start a restaurant. Right. Don't start restaurants, folks. No, don't do that. Um, but, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about order in the home and that's come up repeatedly in some of the backwardsness in our culture and around both of us there's people who just don't understand it and they say well you can't tell a man to go lead and you can't teach first corinthians eleven three because what if somebody becomes a dominant right you know a-hole in their house right and they're right that's the thing is there's there's truth behind that um just like there's truth behind saying if you tell guys to have a bias for action, they could jump off a cliff because sure. they didn't think about it. Sure. The problem is when I look around at the households in my life, I don't see guys who are being overbearing. No. And what I see is guys who are failing to lead. Well. Yes. And in the same way, I don't think we're going to hit that on this podcast, but in the same way, I see a lot of guys who are, spending so much time thinking about the next step that that they they need to be encouraged to step and listen for the Lord um, 
a lot more than they need to be encouraged to to be cautious. Yes. And and one one truth around this subject is that there is there are so few voices right now that are encouraging to men that are just championing dudes to go take a leap and to go be bold and strong and we certainly want to be one of those voices that goes, you can do this. You were made to do this. You might lack certain skills that dad or uncles never passed on to you. You know, you can gather those skills and by gum, you are authorized to go rule, you know, to go rule. That's kind of our destiny is that God wants us to go rule. He wants us to start by ruling our own private space and um, taking that territory and having it be in an ordered place where he rules and where there's fullness and where there's life, you know, there's vivacity in every part of your, uh, of, of your existence. And then he wants that expanded into our families and into our places of business and to have an ever increasing or radiating out of this center of life with him where there's, where we're ruling more and more and more. And that's, that's bad. Those are bad words a lot of times in the culture at large to, to want to rule more, right? Yeah, and I don't even think we have to get into controversial territory to, to, no. to talk about this because in the last podcast we made together, you talked about, well, if you're having trouble getting started, then just clean your room. And that's, you know, if you listen to Jordan Peterson, that's become a meme almost, uh, but it's not his idea. It's been around for a long time. And the reason is really related to what we're talking about now, which is taking, uh, you know, having a bias for action, motion, preferring motion to to not motion, because when you clean your room and you look around, you, you can go, well, I changed something. So... Maybe I could change another thing. And I think with with this action bias, you know, Isaiah 30 comes to mind uh, that says that the once you start moving, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it's not, you'll hear a voice before you take that step right. that says, don't worry, you can go ahead, it's right. safe. Um, the picture I get, and I tell people this all the time when I'm ministering is you need to just feel free to step. You've run this idea by me and some other people who love you and it sounds good, but I don't know if it's right or wrong. Like we're going to trust the Lord. So move, (laughs) go take action and be willing to stop on a dime uh, when, when it's not the right way to go, but don't be paralyzed in fear. Um, and more often than not, I feel like people generally wait way too long. So yes. they already they already know this is what I'm supposed to be up to now. So that first step, usually the this is the way walk in it comes pretty quickly, and and now we've got some momentum. One of the beauties of that verse it talks about you know again you're at the fork of a road, you choose one, you start moving, and then you hear a voice behind you. One of the great things about that is that God will give you peace and affirmation as you start down this road. But there's also an insinuated truth in that verse also, which is if you don't hear a voice behind you in the way that you've gone, then you cut your losses and you stop and you start going a new way. And um, 
we have so much to learn from mistakes. Again, if we can get over the fear of making mistakes and just realize, look, I know God has great things for me. I'm going to try this thing and, and I want to be shrewd about it. And I don't want to put the family farm up for one of my harebrained ideas, but I want to start down a road and see if there's signs that say yes. And they say, go more. And if I see those, I'm going to put more and more steam behind it. And if I don't, feel peace and it suddenly feels like I'm going there. Well, great. You learned a great deal there. Then you'd start and go down the other road. So I think we have a lot of grace from the Lord. Our, our, the, the, num- the number of years we have in our life is plenty of time for us to learn these lessons. And, and again, we keep coming back to, I just know so many young men who they're paralyzed because they think that they can't make any mistakes. They can't do the wrong thing. We could certainly talk about mistakes that we've made in investing and realize we're not sunk for life. We're learning as we go. Um, I I got a a verse I'll throw in for a while, but I'll let you talk for a while. Well, I smiled because when you say investing mistakes, one of the big questions in part of this workshop I was at this weekend was they were always asking us to talk about the most painful experiences we've had around money. And I don't feel like I've had a lot of painful experiences around money because some of the things that were felt like an absolute disaster at the time, I go, man, that taught me at a pretty young age. I mean, I was 27 and I lost $80,000 in a day Um, because I was, and and it was kind of, it wasn't like it went out of my bank account. It, it was that I had been working for a company. I had a bunch of stock in that company because I'd been working for them. And overnight, the company went from booming to there's been a total disaster and it's done. Wow. And, you know, what I, I learned all sorts of things from that, one of which is don't ever consider your stock's current value to be money in your pocket uh, when it's uh, all wrapped up in a single venture like that. Podcast for a different day. <laughs> I've also been there. But now, from my perspective, I don't look at that and feel pain. I feel like, you know, I could really take a punch at this point. Like I, And it was kind of freeing in, in some ways to go, that was all the extra money we had at that time. And uh, it all went away. And the Lord was, was good to, to keep us going. And, you know, we've gotten back that and plenty more. Yeah since then so i i would say um you're right that the the absolute worst case disaster financially at least at that time in my life would have been well what if i lost eighty thousand dollars yeah and then i experienced it and it was super freeing to go not i'm gonna go to vegas now and put it all on black but you know to go oh the consequences of failure are way less than i thought yeah. Well, I want you to I want you to give us some examples of what are the what are the things that you think paralyze most guys when it comes to money. But um before that the, that verse came to mind from Ecclesiastes which says to send out your money in packets of 7 and an 8 and it says uh, it says cast your bread out into the waters and send it out in groups of seven and eight, because who knows what the day will bring. And Jewish teaching, I mean, I know I've written about this, but Jewish teaching is 
that you learn by investing and certainly by losing your investments in some of those uh, some of those efforts, you learn how to invest. And if you're not ready to invest eight different times in eight different diverse interests, then um, you're, you're not ready to get into the game because biblically it's a long story that we're going for. It's not like I tried investing once and it, it didn't work out. So I think I'm done now. No, 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 no. You're just getting started. And so you, you've learned how to be careful with, well, maybe you don't put so much in this next effort and maybe you put it in a sector that you know more about or in people that you know, et cetera. And we're supposed to get increasingly sophisticated by taking multiple efforts. So it doesn't mean that we, that we limit our losses and we no longer take any risks. That is not, that is not what we want to be about. So as you said, we've both come across several, several guys and several stories lately of people who just have trouble getting moving. What are, what are the, what are the commonalities you've seen and people that, that, um, are stuck So one of the things that I'm increasingly becoming aware of is that people who are stuck often don't understand what money is for, what it is and what it's for. So what I mean by that is they might say, I've, I've entered all my information into one of these calculators online and it says I need $2 million to retire. Um, That's a paralyzing thought. Some people will be paralyzed by the sheer size of that number, and they'll say, "I have two thousand dollars right now, um, and I'm I'm older than I should be to only have two thousand dollars. What the heck?" Uh, some people will be there, but other people they might be well on their way to a goal like that, a big goal, and then something happens in life, and they go, "Well, I can't do that." because I've got this goal and the only way I see myself able to keep marching steadily towards that goal is to kind of stay in the rut I'm in. So an example, um, there's an opportunity to start a business and it's good and people around you are going, why don't you do this? This is great. I mean, I was in this spot where I was making more money than I ever thought I would, ever. Yeah. And life was good and we were both working, but I was in a spot where, you know, my wife could have come home and said, I'm sick of work. And I would have said, great quit. It was all goat cheese and cherry ice cream. It, I mean, we could, we could even get the extra scoop. Oh my. At, at wow. Jenny's ice You're cream. doing well. But, uh, it was really hard. Even when people around me started saying, I think you should pursue this other opportunity, which means giving up a job that's pays more than most people could ever hope to make and taking a job that pays nothing. And it's not prestigious. Um, you know, I, I had said no to jobs that people thought I, they it would have had a title that people went, Whoa, what a big shot. Mm. And, uh, and instead I was just going to go be an entrepreneur and this is my little thing. Um, because I believe that it can be something far bigger than, than, you know, the track I was on, but also it was just where my heart was. Yeah. So there were those offers and the moment that I knew <laughs> that I had to do the thing I'm doing now is when I got offered a job that was kind of the next step. It was the only link between where I was and CEO jobs of big companies. 
And I, I had always thought, well, that would be total success in my field is, is running companies mm-hmm. as a CEO. And I got offered kind of the, the next, next step between where I was and that. And it was, I thought, wow, you know, the money, all, all that was exactly what I thought I wanted. But I went home and I said, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I really want to do this other thing that has none of the prestige and it, it paid a salary of zero. Uh-huh. Um, but that's what the Lord had put in me. And so I, I think that that was just, uh, <laughs> it was terrifying on some level. And I kept saying, am I going to look back in a few right. years and think, what a stupid dummy. What no. If, what if something happens, you know, six months after I go out on my own and the, I, I wish I had that job back. And so those were some of the voices I heard that. Yeah. But one tempting. of the, surely one of the reasons that you made the jump is because you also knew I would look back on this with so much regret. If I, if I went for the money and didn't go for this thing that's in my heart and the community around me is affirming and you overcame those fears, right? For sure. So yeah, if I if I hadn't said yes, I I feel pretty confident that I would have taken the the fancy job and quit within four months because I would have been like, this is miserable. So you so you were in a position to do that, as you said, because you guys had had stocked up some dough. So that begs the question: What is money for? You said so many guys don't know what money's for. So what's it for? I think money is for using uh it's it's not a trophy to to sit there and look at and it's really easy to start looking at the pile of money as a success measuring rod and not think well that's available to me um kind of like you've said to expand my influence my territory um to bless my family and also to learn how to do it it's it's a training ground for ruling for sure so I know guys who are, are in a lower, lesser version of the story you just told where they make some money at a job and there's an opportunity to start businesses, but making no money is so scary that they won't let go of making little money. What do you say to that guy? I would say... A couple things. Number one, if that guy's a single guy, the consequences of making no money are few. Minimal. Yeah, so just get after it. Um, half the people I talked to uh, this weekend who are running billion-dollar companies told me stories of eating ramen at some point. So yep. it's totally doable, and it seems to even be almost... Requ- romantic it's required of, yeah, of right. the youngin who's going to start something that's going to grow yep um let's say he's got a wife at home and maybe a kid at home that does change things sure we need to be thoughtful but again i'm i'm not seeing a whole lot of guys leaping on opportunities no. and throwing caution to the wind no that's not our problem so i would say think about it i i wrote an article on on the blog a a long time ago that talked about backstopped risks 
So it may be that you have to jump on an opportunity, but say, here's my backstop. You know, I've got some money saved up. That's going to be enough to pay for my groceries for three months or six months. And I've got some, I've got the option to move into the basement apartment at a friend's house for a year. And I'm going to switch from the $1,500 a month housing situation to the $800 a month. And you might have to make some sacrifices and, and you can backstop those by kind of saying, well, I'm going to put a, a cap on my expenses for a while. Um, so I think those are all reasonable. I think those are all reasonable. The The question that people in those situations don't think about nearly enough, and it's kind of what I was referring to in my own story, is tell me, let's, let's just stop and play the video of life th- four years from now when you didn't do anything differently. Um, so what what does it look like? It looks like I'm still probably pining for something else. I think I've got all these underutilized skills. 100% of my labor is making someone else's family rich. Uh and I think it's a it's a poverty mentality. Yeah. At least as far as businesses go. Um you, you didn't I don't think you said specifically if you were talking about starting a business, but um as far as that goes, when somebody is qualified and the opportunity looks good and they're young, <laughs> it feels to me like the answer is almost always either a green light or like a flashing yellow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, just to say it, I think it's, you're well within your rights to, to put a fleece out like Gideon did and, and say, Lord, I, I think I'm, I think this is a, bold step I'm trying to take. I would like a confirmation from you. Um, I do that a lot where I ask for a specific confirmation from God. He, he, he likes people that negotiate with him and he likes us being in the family business and he doesn't mind us saying things like, Lord, if this is a yes, I, I, I'm asking that somebody would speak to me today wearing a green shirt or whatever your, whatever your, uh, fleece would be. He's happy to do those things, but I also catch guys who are like, that's endless. They they never stop playing that game of confirmation. And you know, we just want to be people who default to going. I, f- I think about my buddy Kyle, who was the pastor at our church in Salt Lake. And he, long story, very short, we were on a, a camping weekend he felt like the Lord told him to kind of go for a specific walk in a specific spot and to take a photo of a sign that he came up across, which just said the word California on it. Um, and so that was interesting. And he kind of came back and was thinking about that. And then very strange thing to feel led to do. He went to, uh, to receive prayer ministry and the guy there kind of said some things that made him go, huh? Like, You've done a good job here, but something different's coming. And anyways, there was a few other things that happened all at once. The, the fleece was quite damp mm-hmm. uh, at this point. And he went home and and told me about it and told his wife about it. And I remember him saying, you know, sh- she said, well, let's, let's put the house up for sale. We're moving to California. <laughs> wow. And so that's a great that's a great asset for for them is to have somebody in the family who's willing to just push sure. go like that. Um 
but I, I thought it was funny because, you know, the phone rang on Monday morning and it was California saying, there's a job here. Wow. It's something you've never dreamed of. It's bigger and uh, more responsibility than, than you've had in the past. And even after that, there was still a little bit of question. Like, of course. There was negotiation over the contract. And I remember thinking like, well, you're going even if they offer you, you know, a, a, a hammock on the beach, <laughs> you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, what are we negotiating yeah. over? And so, you know, I think that it's fine to put out a fleece. I think we always probably wait a yeah. little bit longer than we should unless you happen to have a wife who says, well, list the house. Well, um, I can, just when you tell that story, I know that the default of so many people, because we think we're so smart and so sophisticated, would be when that job offer came in, we would think to ourselves, but th- this might be a trap. This might this not might be, not be the one, and we need to wait and see if some other things come in. And instead of just being simple, all the time I hear the Lord telling me in my heart, just be simple towards me. Do you? Um, this is what Luke eleven says. It says, if you fathers, if you fathers are fallen, you're sinful. And if your son asks for bread, will you give him a snake just to just to zing him? Is that fun for you? No, you don't know it's your child. Do you think that the Lord is trying to lead you up a creek without a paddle? That's not that's not something that he's going to make a regular practice of. You can trust him. So we should be so simple that when something that cro- crosses the desk and we go, wow, the sign, the California sign was n- not an accident. Wow, this guy told me to get ready for a change. And here's the change. I'm going to be so simple. I'm going to be just like Abraham. All we see at the beginning of Genesis 12 with Abraham is that it says the Lord told him to leave the place that he was. And for all we know, as much as the Bible tells us, he shrugged his shoulders and went, well, we're loading up. And he just was so simple in it. And we ought to be the same way with God. But from the outside, that looks like confidence. It doesn't mean that we're confident ourselves. It just means that we're simple towards the Lord and we're just going to do what he says instead of endlessly thinking about it, processing, oh, let me take a few tests online and see how this is going to turn out and just go like, no, I have a shepherd over my life. He knows what's going on. I'm going to follow him. So I I think that's part of this discussion. I just want to encourage you guys that if God is leading you to make a change, just be simple about it and, and just go, I'm, he's made me to rule. I have a default towards action and let's go. Come on. And if there's a mistake made along the way, it's okay. He can lead me from from a bad place. Didn't he save you? <laughs> you think he can leave you from? You think he can lead you out of a bad place? Yeah, he can. He's really good at that. So don't let that keep you from going forward. And I would say that I don't, I don't want to make this whole pod about my story. Yeah, but yours is very instructive. As soon as I had that thought that I described, where it was like I can't take the amazing job that became an obvious okay it's obvious what's next now it's i'm gonna go do this other thing on my own and i did not show up for work the next day and turn in my resignation it was six months and actually that wasn't in action so what i did is i said what needs to be done so i could imagine somebody hearing this and going i'm gonna trust the lord and, you know, my my uncle just died and I've inherited the opportunity to run his 
uh, linen business and I'm a lawyer, but this is what I feel like God's leading me to. And I'm going to strut into my boss's office the next morning. I'm going to say, I have to do it because he's telling me to. So being the financially responsible and (laughs) plan loving guy I am, I kind of looked and mapped out what would need to happen for me to be doing what I wanted to be doing and then thought about a reasonable timeline. Um, and it couldn't be too long. I didn't want to say, well, you know, if I had a half a million dollars in the bank, this would be great. So in 10 years, I'll start a business. No, but but there were things like, <laughs> there were tests that I had to pass before I was allowed to, to do what I do now. And I thought, well, I can't just... I can't study for nine hours a day, so I don't want to quit my job and study for those all day. Uh, it'll be more productive to study in the evenings and keep doing my job during that time. And stuff like that, that I just said, there's ways I can prepare, and there's, I took so much wisdom from others. I, I made it a point four times a week I was talking to people who are doing what I do now and saying, oh, how did you do it? Tell me how, what do I not know? And didn't you stay at your company long enough that there was like a bonus coming and you knew I could maximize my time or something like I that? I got a bonus. Um, and I had to even ask others, is this, is this ethical? But the point is there was a lot of things that I did to make sure that when I was taking action, it was at an optimal time that wasn't way off in the future, but it was, um, it was, it set me up for so much success. Yeah. So you were savvy about where you were. How do I make the most of the opportunity ahead of me? And yet again, what we're coming back to is a default towards action that you were moving. You were immediately moving towards this thing and you're putting steps in place. And I told several, like lots of other people months before it happened. Yeah. This is the direction in which I'm headed don't don't let me stay put yeah so yeah um that's always a great thing is that if if it had been your dumb restaurant idea hopefully you'd have gotten some wisdom from these people you were telling and trying to keep you accountable but you know there's a there's wisdom in um in having multiple counselors and so that's always a good thing to do when we're when we're feeling a bias toward action I've started a ministry school in the last year, and I did not do that alone or unadvisedly. I've I've looped many, many people in on that decision, and that it's a big drain on my time and my prayers and my efforts and my life. And so, th- those are the kind of things that man, we, we don't want to. I don't want to go out into that field alone. My first one is I'm going to talk to my chief advisor and VP, my wife, and go, well, how do we feel about this? Does the, do you think that this is the direction God's sending us? And does this line up with my life? And then you go into your close friends and anybody who sort of gives pastoral oversight over your life. And there's all sorts of ways to be, um, to be circumspect and to be humble. I think of those as steps of humility along the way um, and not to put your family in the lurch when you make the thing, make the decisions, make the moves that you're called to. But, you know, we just want to tell you today to not, not to let anything stop you from moving. Again, Isaiah 30, when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, 
walk in it. And once you start walking that way and you hear God's voice behind you affirming it, it's the best feeling in the world to know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I'm so glad I didn't stay at the fork in the road waiting for 10 confirmations. And um, my our good friend, Mike Lowe, um, who is in Oklahoma, says it's much easier to steer a car that's moving than one that is idling. And that if you want God steering your life, start moving in good faith. You know, I don't mean just randomly start doing something, but in good faith, I think God's telling me to do this. I'm going to start moving. I think maybe he wants me to volunteer with the seventh graders at my church. I'm going to just start moving and he'll speak to me through it. He'll either affirm it or he'll say, good job, son. I like what you're thinking there, but this is not your crew. You should be with high schoolers or whatever. But we can't expect to get that kind of leadership or instruction from him if we just sat on our hands going, I wish I wish I knew exactly for sure what to do. You're never going to know exactly for sure what to do. We, we live a life of faith, right? Why don't we, you, do you want to say something? No. Okay, why don't we just kind of close the time with, I know we've never really done this before, why don't you just kind of bless bless the listeners and kind of maybe speak against fear and just bless them to have I don't know, confidence and walk out to the open road. All right. So to all the guys that are listening to this podcast, I bless you with the flint-facedness of Abraham when he was standing there and he first heard God's voice. And the Lord said, go into this land. Um, And he obeyed. And I bless you with a heart that's obedient and that with ears that can hear his voice. Um, I bless you with little uh, confirmations along the way that as you start moving, that the Father would be kind to you and show you uh, in ways large and small that that He's with you and that that you're moving in the right direction. And I bless you with big, not subtle obstacles and in the places where you start moving and it's it's not the right way to go. That that it wouldn't be. You wouldn't feel like you're playing a game of hide and seek to find these little hints that maybe I'm going to go down the wrong path for the next 10 years. No, Um, you're going to be people that hear loud confirmations from the Lord and loud uh, cautions when you're when you're headed in the wrong direction. That's great. All right. Men of action. Thanks for listening. For Abraham's Wallet, I'm Stephen Manuel. And I'm Mark Barrett.